This is Back to Debbie, a show that specializes in collegiate players transitioning over to the NFL. This podcast is brought to you by Campus Kin. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. And in this week's episode, we will be looking back at the spring camps, news, and the very recent spring games. Usually at this portion, we would go over just the news in general for the past week. But since that's kind of the topic of the show is talk about the spring, we're going to skip the news and we're going to go right into our 2023 profiles. If you're new, every single week we've done two profiles of guys that are getting some sort of buzz each week on Twitter, just whatever the flavor of the week is. And to start off, we're going to be talking about wide receiver Trey Scott from, oh my God, not Trey Scott. I really said that wrong. I said that before the show. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler Scott, wide receiver from Cincinnati, uh, being being rumored by few, by few, by some, some are saying that he's a, a day two pick. Uh, he's five foot 10, 177 pounds, 55 receptions for 904 receiving yards and nine touchdowns. Uh, interesting to note though, out of his like 80 some, let me get the real number here. Out of his, out of his 88 targets, 20 of them were contested targets and he had an 11.3% drop rate. So Tyler Scott to me, I'll just not I've talked too much. Corey, no, I'm not never mind. Corey, I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. I'm gonna go first here. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a speedster. Uh he's 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 a very fast guy. He's an early declare. Um when I turned on the tape, I thought I would see a little bit more of a quick twitch. I was hoping to see like a, a discount Josh Downs or a Zay Flowers, one of those quick twitch slots, the guys that really stick out for that size. I didn't see that at all. I didn't. I saw a guy that Felt like it was the G5 version of, of Jalen Hyatt, almost, honestly. Um, routes were not crisp. They weren't sloppy, but a lot of it was just deep stuff. Busted coverage. If a play developed long enough, he can get out free with his with his speed. Um, but it wasn't like he was making dudes miss. Even in yak situations, he was not a quick twitch separator. Just wasn't really his game. Um, I did think he understood angles well, but again, I'm just not overly impressed and i know i listed off the 20 contested target uh targets earlier but i i'm giving a little bit of benefit of the doubt because a lot of those balls to me looked underthrown from from quarterback ben bryant uh cory what did you see from tyler scott here yeah he isn't someone that i paid a lot of attention to throughout the year but you know kind of looking into him recently through this draft process you know he's he's a guy who just strikes me as a, a vertical speed guy um, I do think, you know, despite his size, he does have some good range to, to pluck the ball out of the air. I saw some times where he kind of extended well outside his frame. He kind of has to with a frame like that. If you're going to be a guy who plays outside a lot, got to have some good hands to reach outside the frame. He did show some signs of that, even though you mentioned the drop rate. So he does have some problems with catching the ball, but there were some flashes there. So just giving him a little bit of love here, I guess. Um, little bit like you know you talked about some of the twitch in his routes they're not exactly there but he did have some some nice breaks here and there um you know selling the post or selling the uh, double move like you know some of those vertical routes he did okay on some of those you know i think he picks up speed really well i do think he kind of has to take a few steps to throttle down sometimes you see that with sometimes with some of these speedsters you know they yes, have a, dude, a, thank yeah. you i i was i was amazed at how slow his throttling down and speeding up was for a guy his size Usually those guys are pretty like on a dime but yeah, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. 
No, yeah, and then it, like because of that, you know, sometimes it led to some rounded roads because he wasn't so crisp on the stop, um, you know. But but he does some nice things during the stem of his route. Didn't face a ton of press coverage as well. Um, this is where his size. When he did, this is where his size kind of became an issue because he did kind of have a tendency to get pushed around a little bit early, or at least early in his route within those first five yards against some of those physical corners. Kind of had to work his way physically through them, slow down the route a little bit. Um, you know, he, he was the guy who played outside as well, predominantly outside. So it wasn't a guy who played in the slot as well. And because of that too, like this wasn't a guy who ran a lot of routes around the line of scrimmage. He, he was running those intermediate to deep routes. He's not a guy that you saw weaving through traffic on like short to intermediate passes. They didn't just get the ball in his hands for screen routes. Like, like they do with a lot of guys when they believe they have that talent. In them. He doesn't seem like a yak guy to me. You know, he seems like an immediate to deep type who, you know, excelled as a, as a vertical um, field stretcher um, that kind of threatens defensive speed. I think that's his role at the next level. You know, um, I think he's just a role player. I don't think he's someone dynamic enough. That's really going to excel enough to be a fantasy asset for us. Maybe more of a boom bust guy. And I told you this before the show, but he actually kind of reminds me of what Scotty Miller is in the NFL. You know, the depth wide receiver for the, uh, for the um, Tampa Bay for a while there. He's with Atlanta. Now I believe he was a slot guy in college, but he's been playing mainly outside in the NFL and they've just used him as a speed guy. You've seen him, grab some deep shots down the field, but I think that's really like his play style. I think he's really just going to be a depth guy, speed to stretch the field, threaten defenses a little bit, but I, I don't see the day two hype here. I'll be super surprised if he actually ends up being somebody that we should pay paying attention to. He's well outside my top 15 wide receivers. Yeah. Same, same. Even after looking at him again, looking at him this late too. So it's like the freshest player I've had to watch now. I, I do have him yeah. super late. I, I think he's closer to round seven than he is round two. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. Hey, yeah. I really do. If I had to rank the undersized slots, now I know he played predominantly wow wide, but I don't think that flies in the NFL level. But if I had to rank him among the slot only, like undersized slots that are in this class, like, you know, Josh Downs, Zay Flowers, Marvin Mims, Jalen Hyatt, all in front of him. Think yeah, about who else? Tank Dell. That, Tank Dell is definitely in front of him for me, too. Oh, for like, sure. Absolutely. And I don't think that he, I, I don't think that his skill set matches up with being in the slot. So I think it's going to be a weird dynamic at the next level for him. Yeah, maybe the Rams will take him with a second and he can replace Tutu Atwell. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on to it. Let's get on to um, our running back. We're actually splitting up to positions tonight. We're going to talk about Chris Rodriguez, uh, running back from UK, six foot, 217 pounds. Uh, in eight games this year, he rushed for 175 attempts for 904 yards and six touchdowns. He's a UK. That's my alumni. He missed the beginning of the year due to being arrested for a DUI. There's also injury news too. And when talking to him at the senior bowl, I cannot remember the muscle group. So I'm so sorry for our listeners, but he told us in person that he did play with a torn muscle. I think it was in his shoulder. I can't remember what it's called. So he played injured. I thought he was very effective. I thought he was a very good bruiser. I thought that was what his thing was. I always thought he was underrated as a pass catcher, um, but he has like a career of, I don't even know what, like six targets. No, he had 17 last year. All right. Career of 30 targets. <laughs> I just, there wasn't really enough to really back up my claim. I do think he's an underrated pass catcher though. Uh, but anyway, he's a bruiser and he's an SEC bruiser. So I, I think that makes players teams a little more interested because he played against NFL competition at least each year. And even this year, he only played against in-conference competition. I mean, he started week five. So that's all actually, yeah, 100% SEC and then week 13 against Louisville. But 5.2 yards per carry, six touchdowns. He had one fumble in there. Uh, he had a fumbling issue last year, so it was like he cleaned that up. He's just always been an efficient, down-the-middle runner. 
not a phenomenal athlete. I personally think that he's a little underrated. Like I think he can be a bruiser for a team, a rotational back. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying he's a day two guy, but I think he can get higher draft capital than what he's being projected right now. I guess I shouldn't be surprised that you say that because you are a Kentucky alum, but I do also have a soft spot for Chris Rodriguez. Um, <laughs> I'm, so I'm surprised. I thought, I thought he'd be the type of guy that you weren't really in love with that much. Well, maybe some of that, those Kentucky uh, colors bleeding through you there, but yeah, yeah. always had, I've always had, so I have him in like, all my C2C leagues, this is a guy who's very productive, um, kind of the guy after, uh, what's his name that went off to the NFL? Uh, who's the guy who drafted in the fourth round that I can't remember now? Benny Snow. Yeah, Benny he Snow. was a guy after him, right? That was kind of the, this is kind of the guy. So I've been watching him for a while. Um, like you said, though, a uh, good tough-nosed runner, um, real grinder type. He, but he, like, I don't think he has that bad of footwork either for his size. He's, he's patient behind the line. He can make guys miss, too. 110, over 110 missed tackles on the past two years combined, including 64 this year on less of a workload from last year. So he actually kind of improved that elusive. If that, that number actually was ninth in the class. So not a bad number for a guy that's that big. Um, really liked his work, his work around the line of scrimmage. Nice job navigating traffic at that first line of defense. Had that bit of a fumbling issue in 2021 with the six fumbles, but improved that this year with only the one fumble over the 175 or hundred something carries that he had. Uh, but yeah, much more of a one, one cut downhill runner. Going to be the kind of guy who loses momentum the more moves he tries to make in the open field. Not the type of guy who's going to throttle down quickly, change direction. You know, much more of a power runner. Decent numbers after contact in all his years, too. I think somewhere around 3.5 for, like, most of his starting years. So um, 3.8, 3.9. They're all upper threes. Yeah, they're all upper threes. Very good numbers. So um, there is going to be some questions about that early season suspension, um, you know, rumor uh, it was the DUI there is some rumors swirling around elsewhere elsewhere around him you know some of the relationships in the locker room as well either way I think he's gonna have some questions to answer when it comes to interview time and we're also looking at a late declare now at the running back position which routinely doesn't necessarily work out for us but have to say that I still do like the player a lot he's he's somebody that um like I said has a soft spot for me I think that he's somewhere in like it's a very deep class. So even when I say like RB 14 or 15, I still think that's a pretty good spot for him considering how deep this class is, but I think he's somewhere around there for me. Yeah. I, as far as the bruiser category goes, but like not the workhorse, but just like the early down bruisers. He's one of my favorites. You know, like mm. I, I see Dwayne McBride up there a lot. Yeah. I don't, oh, I I'd rather have Chris Rodriguez. Yeah. Same. And I, not that I know you said he had wiggle too, but it, it definitely takes more than one defender to bring down Chris Chris Rod. So I yeah, I really like he like breaks tackles it. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, he's a fucking he's a tank. He's a tank and he's hard to bring down. Yeah. So uh, Corey, where, just where do you think he gets drafted? Like what round? Like do you think we're both in day <sighs> three? If he didn't have some of the legal issues, I wouldn't. I'd say day three, day three for sure. But I wouldn't have been surprised at a fourth round pick with some of the legal issues and some of the other stuff. I wouldn't yeah, be surprised five, if he's five six. Yeah. I'm in the same some mindset. Of, some of the questions around in there. So, yeah. All right. Let's get on to it. Let's talk about a spring recap here. We're not just talking about the spring games. We are here at the tar- at the top, but we will be going over <laughs> some risers and some fallers for us. Some of them are a little bit more obvious. So, you, as listeners, you might roll your eyes and be like, wow, they're really picking out of the shallow bucket there for some obvious <laughs> ones here. But, uh, Corey, why don't you start us off here with, uh, I think you pronounce it Ole, Ole Miss? Yeah. Ole. Uh, a long time ago. Okay. <laughs> I will just say, um, though, that um, we didn't do any news or whatever, but we did just have the portal open up this past weekend on uh, on Saturday as well. We've only had w- one really interesting name enter. Uh, we just had it today, which was TCU wide receiver Jordan Hudson. 
um, guy who broke some wide receiver thresholds last year, or a wide receiver uh, year one zero thresholds last year. Um, you know, it was a pretty like barren room. I thought that he had a chance to maybe stand up, but I guess in this spring, it wasn't looking like he was going to have a role very much in this offense. So transferring, going to see what happens with him now. And the only other interesting guy in the portal is still from last time is Gary Bryant, a former USC wide receiver who was ranked pretty highly. He's apparently going to make his decision in May. So we'll have that to look forward to and see if he ends up continuing his somewhere that we should be uh, paying attention to. But uh, with that, let's move on to spring games. Um, you guys are going to hear a lot of spring game talk on the CTC feed this week. Um, but hopefully, you know, you'll get a little more CFF style from the guys at uh, CTN, a little, a little more C2C talk from Campus Life, and maybe a little more Debbie-centric talk from us here. So I sat, um, I watched about 10 of these games pretty closely. I know Mike sat and watched about eight of them or something as well. So we're going to dive right in and, and talk about some takeaways here, starting with Ole Miss. Um, and starting with the quarterbacks here for me, I thought Jackson Dart looked pretty good. I don't think it was perfect. Um, but I thought he did some things well. He climbed the pocket well, made quick decisions, got the ball out quick. Accuracy was a little hit and miss, but I thought he showed some impressive arm talent as well. Um, one of the main guys he targeted as well, transfer wide receiver Chris Marshall, a guy that me and you are pretty high on, guy that didn't have a lot of camp out of buzz. Me and you were kind of concerned talking about it leading up to this. was had me a little bit worried, but opened the game with the first unit, connected with Dart down the field like multiple times on back shoulder throws, um, was inches away from having another monster day. They're just going to have to work on that chemistry a little bit. Dart missed him on some some deep throws where he, he seemed to have a step on the defender. There was about three of them, you know, two that would have gone for long touchdowns as well. So, I mean, he's looking like he's going to be a very essential part of this team. Yeah, I know. I was sweating, dude. I'm, I was yeah. sweating about him the whole time. I really was. Like, I was like staring at my rankings every time I stared at his name. I'm like, that should probably go down. I haven't heard anything good. Um, but no, I, I was super relieved. Uh, my first time watching those clips, by the way, was your uh, little uh, cut up of his stuff, and I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, God, dude, so relieved. I was so yeah, relieved. yeah. <laughs> he was heavily involved, and he he kept looking for him over and over again. And I was like, That's my boy. That's my boy right there. Yeah, uh, Spencer Sanders was unimpressive to me. Did you? Yeah, I Spencer Sanders was pretty unimpressive. I thought Walker and Howard looked okay, but oh, you okay, like, wait, 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 just okay. Yeah, you thought what? You thought he looked phenomenal or something? Yeah, I mean, I I, I guess my bar was really low, but wasn't he yeah, like I eleven guess. for thirteen and like a hundred and like? Okay, I know what the stat she says, but here's what here's my takeaway from watching okay. the game. Okay, right. when I was watching the game, Dart had more of the playbook open to him. You could just tell this was a guy who was dealing from the pocket, um, was throwing all over the field. Um, and, and was reading progressions, whatever. When it came to the plays they were calling for Walker Howard, they were rolling him out a bunch. They were cutting the field in half. He was having these half field plays. He had that even rolled out to the half hit Ulysses Bentley's over the top for that touchdown or whatever. They just seemed like they were designing easy calls for him. It was, he was getting the ball out quick. I don't think what I saw made me think that Walker Howard has a chance to really compete here. I left here thinking that like Dart is the main guy. Dart's blind. Now, these two guys both just came in. They don't have the playbook open to them. Like obviously Dart does. It just looked like he was much more in command of this offense to me when I was watching it. Got you. So it's a, uh, that Mickey mouse offense as our friend from down under would say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one yeah. other note I will just say before we move on though, running back passing involvement in this game. There was a lot of it, man. Quinchon caught a touchdown. Ulysses caught a touchdown. I think another running back caught a touchdown as well. It was like, so Running back passes in this in this offense, it'd be nice to see a nice little addition to Quinjon's profile. You know, if he if he catches a lot of passes this year, so yeah, just something else I noticed from this game. Yeah, I do want to say this before we go on about spring games. I don't know about Corey, so I'm speaking for myself here. I view these as like the NFL preseason. 
Yeah. Or you're, you're just trying to look at the new guys, see how the new guys are transitioning in and hoping to confirm some priors or answer some questions on like, you know, quote unquote, the QB battles that go on all the time. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's really what we're looking for here. So I just, I just want to say, take a lot of grain of salt, a lot of this stuff here. Because um, I know in that Ole Miss game, right, they weren't running the ball a ton. And you know they're going to do that when the season starts with Judkins. Yeah, which is probably what could have led to some of the passing uh, involvement there too. Because, I mean, even though we see it in a lot of these spring games that running, they don't love to be tackling so so hard. So, like, and running, you're having a lot of guys pushing up front, a lot of hard-nosed tackling. So it, it seems like they take a step back when it comes to rushing in these games. Got you. Uh, before we move off of Ole Miss, do you, do you think Walker Howard's the future, though? Like one I starts do. on Yeah, I do. I think he looked good enough, and I think he, he showed. There's been enough good reporting about it. So okay, possible stash and Devi then. Yeah, po- possible riser. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's head on over to TCU here. Uh, TCU's big get this offseason was JoJo Earl, wide receiver from Alabama. He's kind of like quick to quick slide. We all, I think, I'm gonna speak for the group here at Campus Cam. I think everyone had him inside their top 15, top 20 for sure at some point in time. Um, but transfers over. Uh, was injured in Alabama. Didn't really see much of him when he came back. He's just very much a ghost. Uh, this offense was a lot of short area passing. I thought it was very tight end centered, just a lot of the going for the big targets there. And uh, I, when I watched this, I don't remember JoJo Earl's name being called maybe more than once, uh, mm-hmm. but I had to go back and watch again because I was like, was this guy even on the field? And he was, and he was just a very much a non-factor. So if you were hoping for a JoJo Earl resurgence, I would be sweating. I was already sweating before, but now I'm, <laughs> now I'm like hitting the panic alarm because besides the tight ends, which there was like three of them they rotated through. Uh, John Paul Richardson from Oklahoma was like the main wide receiver beneficiary today. Um, last year, he was, let me see, 49 receptions for 508 yards and four touchdowns as a second year player. Um, and then he's six foot 180 listed on the site. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't know if you've seen him. He looks a lot bigger than that. Like he's a little, <laughs> boy looks kind of thick. He's not thin. He looks a little thick. Like, like he could lose some weight. Yeah, no, so, I haven't, I haven't actually seen him play, but the reports have been pretty good about him coming over here. I did want to ask though, uh, cause I haven't had a chance to watch this game. Um, was Earl playing first team? Was he with, well, where was he lined up? Yeah, he was playing first team. I saw him a lot in the slot, doing a lot of crossers, a little bit out okay. wide too. Because the rumors yeah. had been that John Paul Richardson was playing in front of him, so I thought they were still they were both battling for like that slot role. Was Richardson on the outside then, or were they both just in slot far wide, or what? It was kind of rotated. It really yeah, was, okay. it was yeah, rotated. Yeah. It was rotated. Got you. Um, but yeah, he definitely was the main wide receiver one target there. Uh, then going over to the running back room, uh, Trey Trey Sanders, also Alabama transfer, former five star, I believe. Uh, he was definitely the RB one there. He looked fine. I didn't think. He created a lot. Didn't look explosive at all. That old line definitely looked like it was bullying the defensive line and the trenches a little bit. So he would get into the second level. But after that, I wouldn't really be looking for him to make moves or do anything really extravagant or eccentric. He was just kind of getting to the second level and then getting maybe a handful of extra yards. There. He was just a very average, fine collegiate running back. I'm not going to sit here and say he has a, a Debbie resurgence. That's for sure. Uh, and then Amani Bailey was also getting a good run there, but definitely was catching more of the passes. Had a terrible drop. He was definitely very upset about it. You can very much clearly see it on the field. It was, uh, it was a concentration drop. It wasn't anything bad. But so I think it's Trey Sanders RB one, and then Amani Bailey is RB two there in the system. But that really wraps it up for TCU. And then you guys know the Hudson hit the portal, so um, I guess he was upset at seeing <laughs> JPR getting that that one role in it. I, it really, I mean, being very serious, JoJo Earl seemed to be very much on the backseat 
So I don't know if there's maybe an injury or he was taking it soft and easy, but even when I was trying to watch his routes, when I knew he wasn't getting the target, there wasn't a lot of separation there. And usually mm-hmm. TCU does have good, good cornerback development at that, at that school, but there just wasn't, he doesn't look like, you know, his own self. So I, I'm, I'm 100% selling if I have him anywhere that I can, especially for freshmen. Uh, but yeah, I'm a little, I'm lowering Joe Durrell. Yeah. I, uh, I like the notes about the running back room because I kind of been looking for stuff. There hasn't been a lot coming out though. I guess some people are kind of hoping Trace Hunter is going to have that resurgence in that Kendra Miller role now this year or something like that. But yeah, a guy that has looked pretty bad since the injury for some reason, like the change of direction is kind of lost with him. Like man, I made jokes that he like turns like a battleship now, but like, <laughs> but I just want to see more from him. I guess he has a chance this year. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I'm not holding out hope for that. I guess we can yeah. move right along here. Um, if you've got nothing else to say on TCU nope, um, and, and talk about USC having their game. So um, I'll start off by saying this first pass in the game. Caleb's only series, you know who he hits? Brendan Rice on the outside, took it about 45 yards. It looks like Brendan Rice is going to be very involved in this offense, was right with the starting team, and then didn't even play that much afterwards. So, Bro, let's go, Brendan. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's winning <laughs> so, that job. Yeah. You know who had drops that game? You let him know. Dorian Singer had some drops that game. Mm. Um, the, the actual, the starting unit originally, for some reason, Singer was not on Caleb's line when he played for some reason. Mario Williams is in the slot, I believe. They had Taj Washington in, in there. And then they had Michael Jackson, a freshman from last year, on the other side, on the outside. Singer seemed to be playing with the second team, along with Zach Raya Branch. Might just been splitting up the talent. I don't know if there's any real kind of pecking order here. But speaking of those guys too, Zach Raya Branch, solid involvement in this game, looked pretty quick. Um, and then Singer had an up and down day dropped a perfectly placed deep ball from Malachi Nelson um, and saw another touchdown bounce off his hands as well in, uh, in the end zone. So um, tough day for singer a little bit. And we didn't see lemon in this game as well. Um, so I'm assuming that he just didn't play. Uh, I haven't heard anything injury news injury wise, whatever, but yeah, singer had a, had a pretty rough day. I do want to talk about the quarterback. So Malachi Nelson, in my opinion, um, didn't look great. There, there's some excuse here. This is a guy who just came off uh, surgery two months ago. Wasn't really expected to be ready or hasn't been practicing as much as, but he's been practicing more than they actually thought he would. Um, but he actually had a lot of work in this game. There were some nice moments, uh, perfectly placed ball to, to sing that singer that I mentioned that he dropped. He made the right reads, um, but I found he was a little bit stiff in the pocket. Had three turnovers on the, on the day. One was the last second Yolo ball at the end of the game. So we can kind of cut that one out. But regardless, three turnovers on the day couple balls batted at the line. I just don't think it was the greatest showing for him, but I'm not putting too much weight on it. This is a young kid coming in. You're attached to Riley. Like, I think I'm still fine with it. Like it's, he's still my quarterback one in this class right now. I'm not letting this deter me or anything. I just wish I was hoping to see a little bit more, I guess, from this game. Was Deuce Robinson out there by any chance? Freshman tight end that joined no, up late. I don't even think he, is he there right now? Yeah, yeah. Well, is I definitely he... saw a video of Branch. Yeah, Branch, like, I think had like a Instagram live video and he like came in the background. So I know he's on campus practicing. Oh, okay. To be honest, I didn't pay attention enough okay. to know if he was out there. Um, so, uh, but I haven't heard anything about him. So, yeah. I haven't heard anyone talk bad about Malachi Nelson, but for anyone at like wondering, I, I wouldn't be overly concerned with any freshman quarterback. No, struggling. This is like three, four weeks, maybe even two, maybe even less than that of, of them practicing with the team, getting adjusted to that game speed. It does take some time. So I, I wouldn't be overly worried about Nelson's performance. I would, though, be worried about Dorian Singer, whose number one thing is having consistent hands. And then he comes to practice showing up inconsistent hands. 
yeah. against against a defensive unit that's not really great. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, which they let Quinton Joyner, the freshman running back there, break off for a couple big runs as well. So he kind of popped in this game. So both freshman running back, actually, Demarion Peterson and Quinton Joyner, both had touchdown runs in this game. Quinton Joyner definitely flashed a little bit more. I can't. I don't know the final stat line, but he broke like two big wrong, big long runs against a pretty bad defense, pretty bad tackling efforts. But again, USC defense, that's what kind of happens here. But again, yeah, it was nice to see those two guys involved. Austin Jones got the start. Marshawn Lloyd looked pretty involved. Looks like it's going to be a pretty muddled backfield. I did. I did. Do you, you didn't want to talk about Marshawn Lloyd's catch that everyone's talking about on Twitter? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, if you guys want to put a lot on a catch, a lot of people like that quite a bit. Said he looked pretty good. So yeah, I mean, there's there's room here that he's gonna he's gonna return to form in this place. I hope it happens for him. I'm still ranking him pretty pretty conservatively because I'm worried that he he still won't return there. But I mean, a good start at least. It was one play at least. <laughs> yeah, so I I I did watch the clip. I I didn't. He looked good. He looked good. He looked better than he did in the past. I'm yeah. not sitting here saying he's back. Uh, that one defender that had to tackle him in the open field and all he was like slow motion fall on his face and he just waited <laughs> for him to fall on his face. That was yeah, hilarious. And Nate Marquise on Twitter uh, said um, something like something along the lines of USC's uh, already in midseason form for tackling, which is pretty hilarious. Is that's yeah? That's exactly what it was. Yeah, um, it, it, I get. There is a chance I think that maybe they didn't. Um, they didn't. I want live tackling i guess maybe there was some talk behind the scenes don't hit these guys too hard just let them you know if it's if, it, if you have to hit them that hard just let them go like maybe there's something to that with this but again this also looks like usc like from last season in the middle of the season so yeah and I, i'm looking at our website's adp data here so i know me and Corey have been pretty proponents of brendan rice possibly winning this job calling it a positional battle between him and dorian singer which people really aren't saying that besides us uh, Corey just here just gave us some evidence that it is a positional battle and Brendan Rice has the lead. I would just be very cautious of drafting Dorian Singer. Looking at, at our ADP tool at campscan.com, he is being taken as wide receiver 25 with an average ADP of 59.8. So yeah. back of the well, six-round pick. So um, I would rather go somewhere else. I guarantee Carnell Tate's a lower ADP. There's tons of guys I'd rather take. So I, I would be cautious. Definitely watch this one even in the summer. Because uh, this, this is probably one of those that comes down to the wire. Maybe they rotate between the two, but I would not be excited as a manager of Dorian Singer if he was rotating. That would not be what the consensus expectation was coming in. So, Corey, anything else for USC? No, I think that about wraps it up for me. Let's head over to the Miami tro- Tropical Storms. Uh, talking about Miami, Florida, where we had a very disappointing uh, offensive showing down the stretch last year. They bring in offensive coordinator from Houston. I can't remember the guy's name right now, but obviously we were expecting more out of the air raid offense there. They're healthier now too. So Van Dyke is back. He was heavily targeting in the passing game Restrepo and young. I thought the game itself was more passing focused and run focused, uh, but Restrepo and young were clearly the one a and the one B in the offense here. Hard to say who Love was the one a or the one B, but both of those guys together and Restrepo last year too. I can't remember what week he got injured. I want to say it was like week two, very early, but he had a phenomenal week one game. So I, I could see him getting some buzz. I think he's like entering his fifth year and his production profile is lackluster. But if he was the wide receiver one in this offense, I could see him putting up a really good stat line and maybe getting himself day through Jack out. But anyway, moving on to our guy, Colby Young. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was clearly the end zone target. I mean, he got a lot of end zone targets. 
Uh, of his like three contested catches, I think he only really came down with one, which I thought was a little disappointing given his physical ability. Uh, he just didn't look like it, it looked like he was treating him more like practice rather than a game, which is understandable. But I, I was hoping to see a little more physicality out of him. The guy guarding him, by the way, I think his last name was Porter and his number was 14. And I was like, dude, maybe Joey Porter is like getting some extra reps in before the NFL. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so uh, whoever that guy was had some breakups on uh, Young there. So that's really more all I had to really say. Van Dyke looked fine. Um, they had some freshmen get some reps with the ones, but like, you know, just spotty here and there. I guess they're just trying to see who they, what they got in their freshmen. But besides that, there really wasn't much to tell. Uh, Jacarian Brown looked better. I thought he looked. I mean, I don't know how he can look any worse than last year, but I, I thought he looked a little bit more poised, a little bit more, a lot more focused. He definitely looked a little bit better mentally there. wasn't very wasn't lost as often as he was last year. He looked a little bit better. So that's that's wraps up my Miami spiel right there. Yeah, the reports have been pretty up and down about uh, Jacurry Williams or uh, Jacurry Brown there. Um, saying he's having a good day, then he's having a bad day, then he's flashing, then he's having a bad day. So either way, it looks like a guy who's growing a little bit. We saw some of those flashes even last year, but you know had the one good game and then like had like four bad games or three bad games after it. So still a guy that um, going to see if there's anything there really from a Devi aspect. I don't think we're there yet, but we'll see what kind of happens. Um, they have another guy there. Uh, who's the freshman quarterback getting a little bit of Emory Williams? Oh yeah, I didn't really, did I didn't really, I didn't pay attention much. There was no oh, okay. really first team there. I kind of like cut it once the first team and second team were gone. I didn't really oh, okay. so stick I around for I'll, all that. But I, I did skip. <laughs> <laughs> I did skip. I did skip over uh, the tight end, Jalo Skinner. He was involved too, as well. I just want to oh, say that he was that. just involved. He looked okay. He wasn't really anything special. He he still looks very slim. I don't know what his yeah. weight was coming. I want to say it was two fifteen. And I would wager he probably weighs the exact same as he did coming in. So yeah. need him to beef up a bit, but he was involved. So that's disappointing because I think when you're starting at 215 as a tight end, um, you want to see some good growth, at least in like year one, year two. And you know what I mean? Like, and then if he's still at 215 already at, at this point, like I, I was hoping he'd probably had a little bit more, but I did like him a lot last year. And I kind of said, I kind of, was projecting a little bit. I was like, he's going to add weight. We've seen tight ends add weight in college. Yeah, be fine. But he's just like, if he's not going to do it, then that's definitely going to be a point of contention. I mean, Colby Colby Young looked definitely much beefier, and he's at two fifteen. So, yeah, which was a big a big emphasis uh, this offseason as well. A lot of people talking about his physical makeup that he slimmed down a lot this year. So, yeah, pretty exciting there. I'll, I'll be excited to see. You know, they they need a big bounce back year, in Miami, after yeah. their offense really took a step back last year. So maybe Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, another rebound, but let's move on to the, our next game here. Let's talk about South Carolina. I will say that there wasn't much to take away from here. Um, I, I just want to say that the one thing that does jump off the screen is just like, I, I'm not, this isn't a pump up thing or whatever. I'm just saying that Rattler's arm talent is still very alive and well there. You know what I mean? Like it leaves his hands quick. Stop, it, dude, it, dude, stop it, it flies all over the field. He has easy arm strength, dude. Like it's, he, he, ha- he has the arm talent. That's what made him the, the five-star quarterback to begin with. It's, it's everything else with him, right? He forced a ball into coverage on, on almost an interception. He's lucky it was an interception when he's moving out of the pocket. Just forced it right in there. Overshot some targets. Um, you know, he, he still shows a lot of the mental things we want to see uh, get better for him. But I'm telling you, man, the arm talent is still there. You can visibly see, like, especially in a day where I spent watching, like, game after game after game after game. When he came on, I was like, damn. Like, he still has the arm, man. Like, that arm's going to get him drafted still. Um, it, it, I don't know if it's going to be early rounds, but it's going to get him drafted still, I think, in the in the middle rounds next year. Anyways. The next Tim Boyle. Yeah. 
um, I just want to give a shout out to obviously Antoine Juice Wells um, acting as a wide receiver one there has been acting there last year too had a great year there I'm still not sure if we should be paying that much attention for Debbie with him um, but he looks good whenever he's on the field and Arkansas a transfer tight end Trey Knox former wide receiver solid involvement in this game um, you know he flashed early in his career as a wide receiver just spent his first year at tight end last year with Arkansas and flashed with them as well um, and, and with the Gamecocks now, it looks like he's going to have a solid, solid role this year. I think he's a sneaky guy to keep on the radar because he has some, some athletic things there. Um, and the only other thing I'll take away here, I'll let you take over because I know you want to talk about him too, but is Lenora Sellers look freaking pretty nice in this game. Uh, you know, he showed off some of that big arm athletic ability, still pretty raw overall, I think, but most flashes that he showed, I think Gamecock fans would be pretty excited to see. Yeah. I, I, I said, I, I said during our mock draft, like our freshman only mock draft, probably in February, uh, that I took him late because I was like, this is the best dual threat quarterback that we have in this class. Like true dual threat, not a scrambler, but an actual dual threat. Mm-hmm. And he looked great. And I, I was telling Corey at the start of the show that he looked like the quarterback that we wanted Cameron Ward to be. I, I think that's who Lenore Sellers can be. Like he can make those long throws. He throws a really nice, pretty spiral. He's he definitely has improvised skills. I mean, you see him. Did you watch that that botched fumble that he scooped up? Yeah. And just like flings it with his wrist. He almost completed the pass too, and it like it completed if he had a little bit more room on the field. It was out of bounds, but yeah, nice recovery there. And he wears glasses too. <laughs> I, yeah, know, rocks the I, didn't know, I didn't know he was. A, I didn't know he was a goggle wearer. Yeah, man, respect, man. <laughs> yeah. So I I think I, I'm very excited. Actually, I don't have any shares of him. Well, I don't have any drafts. So, but I yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna try to scoop him up when I can. I really I really will. I'm gonna try to stash him where I could, especially in, in CSCs. So I, once once. Once Sanders is gone, which I hope is sorry, once Rattler is gone, which I hope is sooner rather than later, I, I'm actually gonna be very excited. That could that could be a really fun offense. And then I think you just nailed out of the park with Trey Knox and Juice Wells. Yeah, I think Juice Wells is going to his sixth year. By the way, I don't know if you know that. Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I'm, I was six pretty sure. Years. I didn't want to say because I wasn't 100 sure, but I was pretty sure he was a six year. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty uninterested. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next the next Vale is Jones. Maybe Chicago will pick him up. Yeah, so, there you go. Yeah. All right, let's let's get on to let's get on to Penn State. Uh, Penn State, uh, Drew Aller, highly toted QB here. Uh, he threw his only touchdown to uh, Amari Evans. Amari Evans, who I've highlighted a few times, I've been I'd be mocked. Everyone listening, I mean, I am mocked behind scenes for all these low level guys I put into the Devi guide. Okay, <laughs> but we'll we'll have a Devi guide episode in a few weeks. And I'll tell you how those low level guys are coming back because we're already talking about Brendan Rice now. So I'm just saying. But anyway. <laughs> Amari Evans, who is like on like as a high school athlete, was compared to like people like Julio Jones with a 24.2 like triple jump. He he is as far as like a track athlete, he is a a NFL all-star athlete as as far as his track numbers go in high school. He's a Wildcat QB. There's like maybe 15 to 20 of those guys each each class. They're Wildcat QBs you can watch and they look phenomenal in the open field, and then they ultimately have to pick a position. But uh he conversed to wide receiver. He was five for 55 last year. I think he had a touchdown as well. And guess who threw that touchdown last year? Aller. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. So both of his, both of Aller's touchdowns on TV have been to Omari Evans. Um, now, I, I know Dante Sivas isn't there, and he is to presume wide receiver one there. I think that's a safe presumption. Mm-hmm. Um, Malik McLean is probably maybe the X. I, it's open. It's wide open is what I'm trying to say. It's wide open who's going to be the number two in that system. And it was just cool seeing Amari out there early, uh, getting some reps. So he'll definitely have an increased involvement. He was definitely he was doing punt and kick returns last year. 
I just don't know how much, but this has to be a stash in campus Canton leagues. And as far as Debbie upside goes to find late in your drafts, this is going to be one of those guys that has Debbie upside. Yeah. As much as we give you crap for some of the low level guys that you do keep bringing to our attention. Um, Amari Evans is, does not necessarily fall into that cut category. A lot of guys at C2C were, were pretty into him last year and last year's class. I was familiar with his name as well. I think I actually heard him from you in Austin though, to be honest. Then you look into him, you see that versatile athletic background as well. And the multiple positions, you know, this guy has a lot of avenues to get on the field. And if he really puts it all together because he never really had a chance to, to, refine it at one position and now he really gets that chance here and he looked good in the spring game he looked kind of twitchy he looked a little thin um but he did look pretty twitchy he looked out there he got that separation on that deep ball from aller it was what was it like a 30 yard touchdown or something like that either way it was a pretty nice ball from aller pretty nice catch from he bullied that db too that db fell in his butt like right early in the route so yeah, I, I do want to say Caden Saunders had some involvement in this game. Also, I witnessed some drops with him as well. Um, I, I I don't know what to do with him anymore. You, you know, high-ranking guy in last year's class. It doesn't seem like I don't know how much involvement he's going to have this year with, with Andre Lambert-Smith, with Cephas coming in, if McLean's going to have a role. Like, I just don't know um, how, how how much role he's really going to play. He feels like if he hasn't fallen for you now, I feel like he's got to keep keep falling. And then Running backs are just status quo. Singleton and Catron both look pretty good here. There's not much analysis needed there, I don't think. They didn't run that much. We know they're going to run the ball down the middle. It, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. We didn't see them much. Let's head on over to our next one. Let's talk about UNC. Corey, please tell me about how good, how good this one guy was that we're also, I'm getting mocked for having so high. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think you are trying to talk to me about Devontae Walker, the wide receiver that transferred over there from Kent State, and he looked fast in this game, man. Like, uh, I'll admit, I was, I still had some reservations about, you know, any guy, anytime guys making a G5 transfer to a P5, you're going to have a little bit of reservations about how the transition is going to go. But, like, man, he locked down one side of the field, was with the starting unit, um, every play, um, showed a good release package as well. Got open, um, had about a 30-yard touchdown from May as well, where he just beat the corner off the line with his speed, with a release package, got around him, almost had a second one too if the pass was a little bit better on target. But either way, very encouraging um, showing for Devontae Walker. Um, it made me feel good about his role in this offense, made me feel good about what he could do. And I just love to see that his athleticism was still just so standing out amongst like at the next level as well. I mean, we saw it in the Georgia game last year when he broke like that long play as well. Like he clearly is a very athletic guy, um, topped at 23.1 miles per hour by a, by a GPS, by um, that analytics uh, website. I can't remember right now, real analytics or something like that. But either way, we already know he's very fast, looked like it in this game, made me feel very good about him going forward um i thought drake drake may look good uh made some nice throws on the move spread the ball around as well uh kobe pace or nate mccollum or the other two guys that were really the other two guys involved but i mean still the only guy that i'm really interested in, in from a debbie angle is Devontae walker those three guys seem to be the, the main three guys um on the day so yeah overall i'm pretty excited about where this unc offense is headed this year i did not watch this but my two questions are to talk more about the running back room and then Andre Green was a very big disappointment last year. Was he involved at all? Uh, I can't tell you enough if I want. This was one of the ones that I cut short as well. Um, I did notice Elijah Green got the first snap at you at running back. So it looks like he's going to kind of be there. I, I think Amari Hammond is obviously going to be involved at, at there as well. But Elijah Green to get the first snap, which may be surprising to some people. Um, but uh, yeah, nothing really stood out about the running game at all. I wouldn't say one look better than the other or anything like that. So I guess we'll just kind of see where this has to go, but it might just be a little bit more of last year where this just rotated a lot between a lot of guys. 
I don't know. Did you stick around for the QB room? Because I, I like I like um I can't remember who's behind him, but I also like the freshman Tad Hudson. Who's the guy? Oh, him? I will say um the guy the, the who's his main backup, Colin or um oh god, I can't remember his name now. I know, I dude. We like him too. The is whole company. Is it Harold? Yes, Colin, Connor Harrell. Yeah, Colin Harrell. He looked good. Yes, I have notes on him. He actually looked pretty okay. good in this. Made me feel pretty good about his next uh, next year, him taking over the job. I did not stay around for the other guy, though. Tanner Hudson, I believe his name is that you like? Yeah, it's Tad Hudson. Yes, so that's- Tad Hudson. Yes, I did not stay around for him. But I thought, um, what's his name? Uh, the other guy looked pretty damn good, Colin okay. Harrell. Who would you <laughs> rather have, Walker Howard or Connor Harrell as a stash? Walker Howard's going to be in that nice system over there. UNC's had a nice system, but we're going to kind of have to see how that goes this year with with the change over there at OC there. Don't know what it's going to look like. I think, oh, man. I think I would bet Debbie Wise Walker Howard. Damn. You would go Harold? Because he, look, he looks good in shorts. Is that why? That's fine. No, I don't know. Five-star guy. The profile just looks a little bit better. SEC looks a little bit better. Like, I guess if you're looking at it from just, like, that package, like, he does have a lot of things going in his way that way, I guess. Okay, all right. Uh, you ready to move on to the next school? Let's do it. All right, let's talk about Tennessee. Uh, we got to see a little bit of Joe Milton. We got to see a little bit of uh, Ninko uh, Amalava Lampa. And then um, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we got to see a little bit of um, – I don't know the quarterback is after him. It was really kind of insignificant. Uh, there was really inconsistent quarterback play throughout the whole thing. Uh, Joe Milton was overthrowing his guys. Um Actually, has always been the issue. It wasn't really surprising. I do want to say this, though. A lot of the wide receivers were not playing. Uh, Brew McCoy, Squirrel White. Help me out here. I know there's two more names that weren't uh, playing. Ramel Keaton and Dante Thornton, I don't think, were playing. Either. Yes, so, yes, those are the four. So, top, top four so, guys, really. Yeah, so we got to see Nathan Leacock play with the ones, which was very exciting for me, but that's not really the actual ones. Um, but he got, like, the second target. So I, I'm, I haven't really heard much buzz about Nathan Leacock, but seeing him presumably probably team two here. I assume the entire team one offensive, like wide receiver core was out. I felt pretty good about it. He looked okay out there. He looked like he belonged, not like a lot of separation, but he definitely didn't look lost or that he was struggling. He looked, he looked just fine. Literally he belonged. And he's only been there for like two, three weeks. Um, Besides that, I think the highlight was Cam Selden. Cam Selden, mm-hmm. who us as a company has been very <clears throat> holding our ground saying that we want him to play running back very upset watching him through the recruiting process. Him saying himself, I want to play wide receiver. He goes to the All-American Bowl. He goes and plays wide receiver there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get upset. And then, like, the coaching staff comes out, like, I feel like it was two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, saying that, oh, we want to see him at running back. And, and just thank God, dude. Thank God he chose running back. <clears throat> we saw him with the screenplays. He looked phenomenal in screenplays. He looked phenomenal as a runner. He's an ultra athlete. I know Austin said on his show today, and we can't echo it enough. His his athletic comparison tool has like Adrian Peterson, Herschel Walker, uh, Latavius Murray, a ton Bo of Jackson. other guys on it. Yeah, Bo Jackson. So uh, he's just he looked good, and you should feel good about drafting him. He was my RB. I want to say five. Uh, I had to unfortunately take him off. We got the green light last night to start ranking him as a running back again. So we are back on baby. Anyway, uh, Cam Sutton. He should be able to take over the room. Probably about next year for sure. Because I don't think any of these guys are NFL running backs. I don't think any of these guys are in this running back room. And he's just, I mean, his athletic ability is insane. Yeah, I love to see the early involvement from him as well. 
Um, I don't know if anybody knows as well, but for the entirety of the second half, I'm pretty sure he ran as the running back one with the first team. Now I know maybe it's not the first team by that point, but the second half he was with the guys who were considered the first team, I would guess, or whatever. So that was nice to see too. It looks like they like him a lot. They're shifting him out into the slot, um, caught a screen on a motion, nice explosive run for that touchdown where he cut off the line, kind of shot out of a cannon. Like I do still think he needs a little bit of work or whatever, you know, he, he flashed in this game, but um, he's just a big athlete right now. He's refined his vision a little bit, his patience a little bit, but the arrow is definitely pointing up after this game. Love what I was seeing. Um, to the quarterbacks, I thought Nico uh, Yamalieva actually looked okay. It's, I'm a lava lampa. I'm a lava lampa, sure. <laughs> um, I think out of the three, so we saw the three freshmen, top freshman quarterbacks today, which was the USC uh, Malachi Nelson. Texas quarterback, Arch Manning, and then Nico at Tennessee. I thought he might have actually looked the best out of the three, which is not saying much because I don't think the other two looked very well either. But I just I just think he might have looked okay. He made quick reads, got the ball out fast. He stayed in the pocket, which is something that I saw on tape. He'll have to get out of the pocket a little bit too much or whatever. Threw a really nice pass on the move. That's all over my Twitter timeline that everyone wants to talk about. Um, that was probably his best play of the day. I just don't think he looked out of place. I think the system works really well to hide some of his deficiencies. Um, a guy that loves to extend the play and get out of the pocket a little bit, a little bit too much onto the ball a bit too long. This got the ball out of his hands fast, quick reads. Um, so I think he, I think the system is set up really well for him to kind of, to kind of work in. I, if there was one place he could have gone, I think this is the best place for him. Yeah, I think we saw a lot of what was on his high school film. Some really good wow throws, and then some mm-hmm. others that were a little bit head scratchers. You know, very consistent, but like that arm talent looked phenomenal uh, in spurts, which is what it was in high school as well. All right, let's uh, let's let's head over to Georgia, Corey. Why don't you take that one away? Yeah, so Georgia, my team, I like to call myself a fan of. I just think that the one thing that was very clear is just how much more comfortable uh, quarterback Carson Beck looks compared to the other guys. I mean, he was poised in the pocket. He went through his progressions, read the field really well. Um, nice touch on the uh, a nice touch down the field as well. He looks in command. He barely made a mistake in this game. This is the exact type of showing that I think Georgia wanted to see from a quarterback to to hand him the reins. I mean, you, you just you need to be a, a good game manager in this offense. Um, and I mean, you know, be able to, to deliver the ball over the field as well. And I think Carson Beck looked really comfortable uh, doing that as well. Vandegrift and um, Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton, they were fine, but they were both, you know, pretty quick to take off once that first read was gone. Didn't see the field as well. Vandegrift in particular struggled with his pocket presence as well. There was a, a bunch of would-be sacks and they didn't actually sack them, but there was a bunch that would have been. I just don't really think Vandegrift is it. I don't think he's done anything this spring to say otherwise. Stockton, um, was kind of laid on some throws. Um, they ran him on all those rollouts that cut the field in half as well. Um, but he also threw a really nice back shoulder throw. Still makes me think he has high, the higher upside in this room, obviously more than Vandegrift, maybe more than Beck if he kind of reaches that point as well, where Beck is now three years down the line, finally getting to start. I think Stockton still has the higher um, uh, upside in this room. Um, speaking of the targets, though, the ball was spread around pretty efficiently like most Georgia teams. They like to get a lot of guys. Um, and also in their spring games, they never really play like they're they're – actual starting lineup at wide receiver. So it's hard to tell who's going to be like the starting guy. Dylan Bell flashed a little bit though. A guy that I kind of liked a little bit last year, um, had a nice uh, catch from Carson Beck down the sideline guy by the name of Mechie Muse guy that I haven't really looked into a lot. I had a couple big plays on the day. Someone I'm looking into a little bit more. It didn't exactly look like, like crazy, but somehow it turned, turned to kick for a touchdown, had another big catch for a touchdown. Um, I didn't see much from Rara Thomas. I, I don't believe, um, I Brock Bowers flashed as well, though I have here in my notes, as as did tight end uh, freshman tight end Lawson Lucky. So another tight end falling into the staple. But again, it was very pass, uh, very spread around. Overall, the passing offense looked really good. I thought. 
Um, heading over to the running backs, though, with with all of them almost out, um, it was pretty much the Dejon Edwards and Roderick Robinson show all day. Um, my eyes were on Roderick for the most part, a guy that we're pretty high on over here. Um, top four running back, I think, consensus across uh, this class for most of us. I'd say he looked okay. He showed some nice adjustments behind the line of scrimmage, but he really just kind of like cradled that ball, barreled forward into the line on most occasions. You can tell he's still adjusting to the speed of the game uh, at this level, but dude, he's a, he's a rocked up freak. Like he looks massive out there. So pretty excited about like where he could potentially go and how he could develop in this offense. What, what about Oscar Delp, man? Did he? Uh, I don't have any notes on Oscar Delp. Damn. I don't think he did. I don't think he did. I don't think he did much, at least not from what I was watching. But no, I don't have much. Oscar, I don't have much Oscar Delp notes. I know that they have been running him kind of in that Darnell Washington role, asking him to block a little bit more, asking him to do a little more of that. It seemed like Lawson Lucky yeah. kind of got used a little more on the outside with the second team. But yeah, maybe because he was in that role a bit more, they didn't end up throwing the ball a little bit more to him. But yeah, I guess um, didn't really flash much in this game. No, he is a bit bigger. So I can see them asking him to block more than, uh, Lucky, who I think is like six foot three, so he's a little bit on the smaller side. Yeah. Um, I don't have much to really say about Georgia. I think he kind of nailed it all. I am interested in Carson Beck. I'll, I don't want to sit here and say he's a Debbie asset, but as far as pocket passers go, I think he could be interesting down the stretch. But I'm, I'm not. I'm not ready to plant that flag or even plant that seed. I just planted that seed, but I'm not really, I'm not really ready for that. Yeah, well, we'll talk about him a little bit later on the, on our later section. So maybe I'll give you my my take on that. Yeah, let's let's head on over to Ohio State. Uh, I just want to talk about Carnell Tate. I'll let you talk about the rest here. Carnell Tate has been a huge riser for us here at the company as a whole. Uh, they don't really BS their spring reports the way some schools do. You know, you know, you, you know, what I'm talking about for NFL fans where they're talking about how so and so looks great, and then you watch them week one and they look absolutely terrible. Uh, that's not how Ohio State does. They kind of tell it how it is, and so Carnell Tate has been fantastic, and he rolled out there with the first team, caught a touchdown. He looks like. The real deal. I moved him up to my freshman wide receiver five. I'm probably going to move him up a little bit. I'm actually, I actually, I am going to move him up. I'm going to move him up above somebody else. I'll talk about later. I'm going to move him <laughs> up to, to wide receiver four. But I, I, I think coming in, he was like nine, ten, eight in that range, and uh, now I have him at, at four. So uh, Tate, Tate should be very big riser by coming up here. But talk to us about the other, the rest of the Ohio State game. Yeah, um, I don't think it was the greatest showing for Kyle McCord. I think he had some okay moments. He had that nice deep out to Marvin, probably his best pass on the day, which is pretty early in the game. Um, had the deep strike to Carnell Tate, which was a pretty nice pass as well. But I, I don't want to overreact to a spring game. Um, but I just, I guess I just didn't love what I saw from him in this game. I thought his pocket presence was poor. Throwing off his back foot a couple times. Accuracy was hit and miss. I believe he was just over 50% completion percentage. Um, I just think that, you know, entering spring and this game, with Devin Brown out with the finger injury, I think he had a chance to, to to claim this job, right? And I just don't think that he did that at all. I think he left the door open for Brown to make a push in the summertime, you know? Like, there, he had a chance here to really show off and really, you know, take control. This is a guy who who has chemistry with Marvin Harrison Jr. Has Like, the reports, in my opinion, should be stronger coming out in, in favor of McCord. I just don't know if I'm feeling that, but... He's a guy we'll talk about a little bit more later as well. With the receivers, you already talked about um, Carnell Tate. We saw the the hype meet the field there where he was the only freshman to play with the first team as well. Um, caught that nice touchdown as well. So um, if you haven't risen him already, skyrocketing him up your rankings. I will say fellow freshman Noah Rogers actually led the team um, in, in receiving 
was only playing with the second team as well. But again, these guys are both making quite an impact. This freshman class is clearly making an, an impact and they already seem to be jumping last year's class, you know, and that's even without Innes even being there yet. So, I mean, like I know Keon Gray's had like a catch or two in this game as well, but I mean, these guys are playing in front of them already and being more productive than them already. I mean, it's it, it, it might just be time to write off that class, honestly. Um, it was hard to get anything from their running game. There wasn't a lot of push from the offensive line. Again, I don't know if that was by design in this game. Um, there was a lot of blown whistles pretty fast as well. You know, not necessarily live tackling, but they were allowing them to hit, but it wasn't really like take them to the ground and kill them kind of thing, you know. Um, but I will say, Diamante Trainum, guy that uh, Austin was high on, a guy that I loved back in the beginning as well. Big 70-yard touchdown on, on the day. Um, returning now from, from linebacker. Played at at ASU, uh, was starting running back there. Rashad White kind of took over from there. He transferred, played linebacker at Ohio State, then became running back again. You know, I'm kind of unsure how he's going to fit into this running back rotation. Um, he's probably going to be like the fourth guy this year. But they they need to figure out how to get a, this guy on the field, honestly. He's got a power and speed um, combination that probably isn't offered um, in that backfield. Yeah, I I, I, uh, I, I know he's a great athlete. I, I thought he was really unspecial as a runner at Arizona, so I wasn't. Yeah, I was a part of the Rashad White crowd, so I, I was not concerned about him. thought he looked kind of like yeah. slow. Which was we were very divisive. But we were very divisive back then. Yeah, <laughs> between thought, between was... trade up and white, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm I'm gonna move on to Texas here. Uh, Quinn Ewers look good. Uh, as far as like teams that come out and say such and such player was hurt, and that's like their excuse for their poor showing. When you watch Quinn going down the stretch last year, a lot of it was like screenplays, like super short screenplays. Like they didn't want him throwing downfield too often. So I, I truly believe that he was hurt, and he looked great. He looked great hitting players in stride. Wait, Worthy looked great. A.D. Mitchell had a phenomenal one-handed grab in the middle. Uh, that throw probably could have been a little bit better, but it, it was it was phenomenal showing for everybody there. Jontae Cook is living up to the hype that Collins and putting out there, the top four guy. I, I think Quinn. I hope I hope there's less doubt on Quinn now on the internet. I really do because he looked good. He looks like he belongs. So I'm excited for Texas for this whole season. I'm not going to sit here and say Texas is back, but. Texas is back. I'm just playing. Texas, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and and speaking of quarterbacks, I thought Malik Murphy actually had some nice moments. In oh, this yes. Game yeah, yeah. 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 The dude has a, he's the Texas version of Joe Milton. He's got a cannon. It's mm-hmm. kind of harder with accuracy. That at least I was him coming in his profile, his freshman profile read a lot like Joe Mixon, but uh, sorry, Joe Milton. Uh, but, um, but no, he did look good. And then Arch Manning too was catching a lot of flack on the internet for looking terrible. And I just want to say, because me and Corey on this show, if, if you're a, a weekly listener, we have been saying that Arch Manning, he came from a very tiny private school. Competition he was playing was maybe JV level in the Texas mm-hmm. like public school. Like it was the competition he played against and with was very, very low level stuff. It was very obvious watching the film that it was as well. It's going to take guy, these guys time to adjust to game speed. I thought that. I thought he grabbed he grabbed the concepts like mentally. I didn't think he had an issue processing. He he had some pocket awareness rolling out when he had to stay in the pocket. You know, I thought he handled himself behind the line very well, but he just wasn't on the same page as his as his receivers throwing behind them, throwing a little bit too weak. I just I didn't think the arm was there. But again, I think it's just him trying to catch up to game speed. So no, I'm not worried about it. I early in the offseason I said you should buy Quinn with all the. BS hype around Arch Manning being some sort of uh, football god, and now it's almost at like a 180. So now I'm like, all right, go out and buy Arch Manning because like he he's probably gonna be fine <laughs> in a year or two. So, but Malik Murphy, like he has a transfer out. I, there's just they're paying Arch money, like they have to get him out. So I yeah, 
I like all three of these guys here. I think they should all play football. I don't think they all play football for Texas necessarily. Yeah, and a guy on the receiving end of that big touchdown um, from Malik Murphy where he threw that strike was was Jonte Cook. Um, looked phenomenal in this game, a guy that we're all pretty high on as well. Um, certainly living up to the hype as as our number two and for some people number one in this in in this class and at c2c really love john Tay cook and, and he looked really good ad mitchell also transfer wide receiver there from georgia also had a one uh one-handed grab on the day looked pretty nice also want to give it i gotta give a shout out to jadon blue man i know we, we've been pretty hard on him through the offseason um we, we were pretty hard on him last year but he looked good in this game man he ran as a running back one um he uh, had that nice, like, what was it, 30 or 40 yard touchdown where he was bouncing off guys, making guys miss. Did have that one time where he made the business decision to avoid the pass <laughs> where he didn't want to get killed by the guy. That was him, yeah. right? If I, if I remember correctly. Yeah. It was, where yeah. He, yeah. Where he didn't want to, he didn't want to get killed by the guy, but still promising to see him at least be part of the game. Um, Cedric Baxter didn't really flash much in this game, but he was pretty involved as well. But it looked, it blue looked like the flashiest running back in this game to me. Yeah. I would agree. I still, this is going to be a debate for everyone internally here. I still think it's Brooks's job. I really do. And I think, mm-hmm. and if not, I think Baxter takes over eventually anyway. So I, I, I think this was a phenomenal transfer portal showing for Blue. All right, let's head over to uh, the last game that I watched on the week, and that's over at Texas A&M. Um, sophomore quarterback Connor Wegman started the game. Um, and there had been some talk about Max Johnson getting some first team reps, but it looked like he was a starter, had some good velocity on his plays, uh, some nice ball placement to Evan Stewart as well on a few passes, a little shaky here and there, but he, he's looking like a guy who's getting more comfortable in this offense should excel this year. I think him and Stewart had a really nice uh, connection. Speaking of Stewart as well, I didn't actually expect him to play today due to the ankle injury that he had just suffered, but he started, he looked good. Um, he looked quick. He was getting separation on the outside. Um, was targeted pretty heavily from Wegman as well, which is nice to see. Um, I do want to make a note because I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it as well. Over right before half, Evan Stewart got tackled after a grab, came up lame, was favoring that ankle that he had just just injured, showed a little bit of frustration. I continued to watch to see what was going to happen. He came back out in the third. I saw him run one route, and then I never saw him again. I think, you know, I'm scared that there was a a, a re-aggravation here. Hopefully not a major one, but I think it's definitely something to monitor here because he looked like he can't. I don't even know why they forced the guy to play anyways after just coming off an angle. I mean, you've got a lot ahead of you this year. Why are you going to put him out there this soon after returning from the ankle injury? But either way, there did seem to be a re-aggravation. There's something to keep an eye on. Over to the running back room. I will say it still looks like it's up in the air. Amari Daniel started the game, guy who got a lot of run last year. Ruben Owens, a uh, freshman from this class, started with the second unit. Um, but Le'Veon Moss was the second back to touch the ball on the first team. So all in all, it's kind of hard to figure out. Um, but this is kind of setting in where it, it could really resort to um, a backfield by committee here, right? I do think Owen's shiftiness kind of stood out among the rest. It kind of brings that element where the other two don't. They're a little bit more aggressive uh, power runners. Um, but either way, I think he'll make a nice compliment to whoever ends up being the top guy. So I, I just don't know who's going to be the top guy here. All right, let's let's get on over to our last section tonight. We're going to talk about some, some Debbie risers and some Debbie followers for spring. We will be leaving out guys that we already talked about for the spring games there that kind of answer some questions. We don't want to be redundant. So instead of mentioning for yours, for example, for me being a QB riser, I'm just going to leave them out. But I'll head right on over to Austin Novosad. I love what Oregon's doing over there. They're bringing in good recruits, like not just offensive linemen. Like they're bringing in good recruits across the board. The news on Austin Novosad was great. Um, 
I wish I could see him myself to like actually confirm. But I, I don't think Bonix is it. I think Bonix is a little bit a little bit late, kind of missed the train on his development. But I am very excited about Austin Novosad getting four years there. I mean, he, I moved him up my rankings. I think he's in my mid-20s now. He's in my mid-teens. Uh, so I've, I'm labeled an Austin Novosad fan here. And then I'm just going to roll into my last QB here too. Um, I think Dante Moore is a riser. Uh, I'm going to Benedict Arnold, and I'm switching teams from Colin Schley being the starter to Dante Moore. I hope I hope the Dante <laughs> Moore fan club here at CDC can accept we're, me. We're not hateful. We'll accept you. We just, we're just happy you made the right decision. I appreciate it. I think he, I'm not saying he starts week one, but like probably sooner than I originally thought for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Those are my two QB risers from the spring. Yeah, so I'll be pretty brief here as well. I agree with both those. Obviously, Dante Moore. The only thing with Dante Moore is he, he can't really raise much higher for me than he already has. Yeah, but yeah, um, but yeah so uh, I'm fine with those two selections. My three guys are guys that are talked about, so I'm just going to go over briefly. Okay, Lenore Sellers, quarterback at South Carolina. Some people even wonder if this guy has a Debbie future. I see a lot of nice tools that we're talking about. Nice build. We're talking about big arm. You even saw it in this spring game. He he rifled in a couple tight window throws that were really nice as well um, that I wanted to see. Um showed off the athleticism he just has that dual threat skill set that if he puts everything together and remember this is a guy who had a freak injury in high school kind of stunted his growth he could have been even ranked higher or be viewed at more higher than he was coming into the year so if he gets a you know time in the system to grow or whatever becomes the starter next year over rattler i think he has he has a massive he has a massive ceiling there is a floor there as well that's pretty low but he's a massive ceiling so he's been a riser for me i knew he was already kind of high for you um, the other guy that I want to talk about is Georgia running back or Georgia quarterback, Carson Beck, a guy that, you know, from going from a guy who was not on the radar at, at all to now hopping onto the radar, um, is already a pretty big accomplishment because everything I've seen, I've been pretty happy with. I actually wrote his Debbie guide profile before, um, actually even watching this game where he looked impressive. And I was watching some of his, he had, uh, the mop-up game. I think the most uh, action he got was against Vanderbilt last year, um, where he played like almost the entire fourth quarter and he looked good. He like, this was a guy I saw going through his progressions. This was a guy who delivers the ball really well, reads the field really well, spreads it around. It's, he looks comfortable in this offense. The one thing that we have to see with him is everything is in a very comfortable situation, positive game scripts, um, behind the line that's keeping him com- comfortable. Um, he just hasn't faced a lot of adversity. So I think we have to see that um, at this level and see, you know, in those tight game situations, how he comes out of it. And the other guy that I just want to give a quick shout out to here is Jackson Dart. And the reason that I'm calling him a riser is because I think, me and you collectively both were low on him entering the entering the year, especially when they brought in those quarterbacks. We're like, what the hell is going on? Like they clearly, they don't like Jackson Dart. Something is wrong. But to me and through all the spring reporting, it's clear to me that he's quarterback one. Um, and he, I think he looks the best. I think he still has the best arm talent in that, in that room as well. Um, and I think it's an arm talent that's going to grab the attention of the NFL. I just want him to see, see him clean up some of those mechanics, clean up some of that accuracy, but still he has, he, from dropping down, he's risen back right up <laughs> almost to where he was before this or after the season had ended. So yeah, he, he, those are my three risers at quarterback. I have a single riser and running back. It's just as Haynes. Uh, I want to say early in the process, I want to <laughs> call out the rest of the recruitment team, but I think I am going to call the rest of the recruitment team. I don't think anybody was very high, like as in like top, let's say top three, top four, top five, that type of high on Justice Haynes until Felix Sharp started really pushing him and then people started looking into him more and more. And this includes myself here because I had him in like the eight, nine territory. I don't remember the rest of the guys being that high on him, but the more I watched hey, him after the fact. We did our show, man. He was my running back too. 
That's true. That's true. You also did it after <laughs> Felix, though, so maybe he influenced uh, you. I'm just saying. After was it after Felix? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Felix was like the first guy to push him, in my opinion. So fair enough. But but um, the news out of Alabama has just been glowing the whole time too. I'm still a, a Jan Miller fan, but we've been asking the question behind scenes, and it's still super hard to answer. If you're in a draft right now, who would you draft first, Jan Miller or Justice Haynes? Because it's is a hard question. Yeah, I'm asking. Don't answer the question because I don't know how to answer it. I don't want to get down this rabbit hole either. But that's a hard <laughs> question to answer. But it is. He's inside my top ten now. Uh, I'm very confident in his ability in the future. So, Justice Haynes is my one and only number one riser. Definitely, definitely the riser in my top twenty. Yeah, I think um, another riser here is obviously Cam Seldon, but we're not going to talk about him again. But I just wanted to give him another shout out. Another big, big riser for us landing at that running back position. Gotta love to see that. Um, out of for me, I've got two names here uh, and through the spring. One of them. Um, a little bit more narrative based, I guess. That's Jaden Ott out of out of Cal. This is a guy that I was a little bit worried about coming into this year because they had bring, brought in those running backs, brought in Byron Cardwell, brought, brought in Justin Williams, Thomas. Jaden Ott had his struggles as a rusher last year. It kind of painted the picture to me like, oh, maybe they want to bring in someone else because they weren't happy with him as a rusher. Still a, a great asset as a pass catcher as well. But all the reporting around Cal is how behind Jaden Ott they are, um, how good he's been looking in practice. Um, so. They're get, they seem to be fully behind him as being the top guy. He already has a very good freshman season on his record and has that pass-catching upside. Need to see him become a better runner, but he's going to have the opportunity in front of him. I don't think those running backs that came in are going to make as big of an impact as maybe we thought they were. The other guy I want to talk about, um, I guess this is kind of unfair. Again, I, I just realized we talked about him. Uh, we fit in Texas there at the end. Originally, we weren't planning to talk about Texas, but we watched it today and quickly threw it on the show sheet here. Jadon Blue is going to be my other riser here, um, just because this was a guy we are super hard on. Now he's a guy who, who's flashing. Honestly, I know you're big on Jonathan Brooks, but this is a, this is a running back room that's up for grabs right now. We love Cedric Baxter. We think he's going to be the main guy in this in this room at least as early as next year. But still a freshman, still going to have to adjust. Jadon Blumens was a guy we we had ranked as a top three running back last year in last year's class. There's talent there that we love. Um, and if he didn't sit out his senior season, maybe he would have even been a top running back ranked in this class as well. I mean, we loved some of the things we saw on tape from him. So I'm loving that he's at least flashing some of that talent. We also thought that he was 200 pounds coming in, and then he weighed yes. in at 190. I think if he was weighed in at 190 the whole time, I think he would have been ranked very differently among our recruiting team. That's still a red flag because I still don't know if he's put on the weight. I have to go check that out. No, but I don't think I don't that think, he has. I don't think so. I definitely know. So that, that's definitely something that's going to have to keep watch. But either way, from a guy that we were almost plummeting down our rankings, he's back up yep. at least somewhere that isn't more of a draftable range. So those are my, my risers at running back. Yeah. He was definitely coming in like a rock. Uh, my two wide receiver risers, definitely deep here. I'm definitely going deep. I'm definitely being a broken record here. I already talked about Amari Evans, but I think he's a shot we're taking late. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go over to Camden Brown, Auburn wide receiver. He has now been impressing two separate coaching staffs. Two separate coaching staffs. So last year, two, like immediately got to the second team level. As a, as a, like, I think it was like a, a mid, like, I think it was a mid three, high three. He was a high three, a very high three star um, wide receiver. And the reports now are still glowing. He's hurt right now. But even before that, it sounded like he already solidified his first team spot. I only hope and pray that Hugh Freeze can find a quarterback in the portal. I know he's a terrible recruiter, but I, I hope he finds something inside him, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars to hand off to get a better quarterback in that situation. 
So <laughs> Camden Brown's my one of my biggest riders for spring. No, I like it. I mean, he's he's had his time with the the, the first team apparently this spring as well. Um, got hurt for a little bit there and dropped to the second team. But I think like his role is on the first team. Hopefully, hopefully that's what it ends up being. So we'll see if that ends up being the case for him. I know he's one of your guys, one of my guys um, that I'm going to talk about here, and just continues continues to get reporting. More came out today, and I'll hit on that as I talk about him. But Wisconsin wide receiver C.J. Williams. They have not played their spring game yet, but it doesn't matter. Okay, this guy has been rising throughout the spring like crazy. Um, incredible from all accounts. Started a bit slow, ended up dominating the second team so much that they had to bump him up to the first team. Started getting some reps in the first team, mixing in or whatever, continues to dominate there. Read just today that he just switched full-time since Saturday, starting on the first team, still putting up incredible practices. Had incredible practice on Saturday, incredible practice on Tuesday. I mean, the buzz coming out from this kid is non-stop. Former five-star guy, good size, um, good technical ability that unfortunately, you know, didn't break that year one threshold at USC that we wanted to see, but new opportunity here uh, in this ever-evolving Wisconsin o- offense now with, with, um, with, uh, oh my God, who's, uh, with Phil Longo there at, at OC now, Um He's been the alpha all camp. I expect he starts sooner than later if he doesn't start week one already. And his rise in the rankings is going to happen throughout the year. I mean, I've continuously raised him up. Um, he's the one guy that we haven't talked about. At least the other two guys that I had have been talked about. Devontae Walker at UNC. I'm just happy to see that he's making the transition from G5 to P5 seamlessly. Earned that starting spot already. Um, looks great on the field. He's a big rise for me. And then Chris Marshall, a guy that we were worried about. Um, going into there because there hadn't been much buzz coming out of, out of Ole Miss about him. But, you know, ran with the first team, got all those targets. Um, arrows trending up for both those guys. So all three of these guys, uh, nice rises for me in, in this spring. We are going to go over to the fallers now. Some of these guys actually kind of transitioned into each other pretty well. But faller for me, let's start off with quarterback Cam Ward. Uh, Cam Ward has been a guy that, uh, as a company, we've kind of been a fan of for a year. I know me and Corey have talked about how we think he has NFL-level instincts, pocket awareness. Um, mm-hmm. Not much more than that. The reports out of Washington State uh, right now is that he's continuing to struggle deep downfield. And that was always the red flag in his profile. He's not showing any improvement in that category. And so I think I think we're good to let it go. I think we're good to let him go. If he can't throw the ball deep, and, and I know the wide receivers there aren't really overly talented either, but if this is going to be the continued reports and there's going to be a lack of development, that's it. Sorry. Yeah, I think we're all just hoping that he's going to take that next step here because the tools are there and we see those instincts in the pocket and we see the, the flashes of the arm that can make those throws, but it's like mentally he just doesn't, it doesn't click with him to do it. Maybe he's not seeing it fast enough or whatever. This might just be the case of somebody who is a better college quarterback than anything that we're going to see on the NFL level. I mean, I'm still hopeful a little bit this year. I'm still giving him one. Like we did that one last shot show. I'm giving him one last shot this year, but I have to see improvement. We have to see growth. This is kind of the make or break year for him from a Debbie value aspect. So um, I, I'm good with that one. I like that one. It's a faller. My two quarterback followers this spring. Um, I'm going to start with Cade Klubnik, okay? And I'm not going to say that he's a massive follower for me, but he's a guy that I just can't find myself pulling the trigger on whenever, like, my turn is up to draft. And it comes from even this performance that we we just saw in the spring game from him. We didn't talk about Clemson's spring game, but um, that was one that I took a peek at. Didn't look at it super deep. But this guy had, like, 
two turnovers in the game, was still not connecting with his guys. The chemistry just doesn't seem to be there. It just doesn't seem to be coming together for him yet in this second year. We're going to have to see a big, ri- uh, a big rise from him throughout the year to really feel comfortable about him. Um, and I just don't know if I'm there yet. I, I can never pull the trigger when you're supposed to pull trigger on him, which is what, somewhere in like the third round or something like that in, in startups or sometimes even going in the second or whatever. I can never seem to do it. So uh, I'm a little bit off on K Club Nick right now. The spring has put a sour taste in my mouth. And this one might be a little bit spicy, might ruffle some feathers, man. But And it's not like I'm dropping him like crazy, but it's a guy that I've always been a little bit tentative on, and that's Kyle McCord at Ohio State. Had a chance to seal this job. Had every chance in front of him. He should have had the good reports. He's been in the system. He has the chemistry with the guys. He has his high school uh, wide receiver. The 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 reports should be much stronger than they are. The performance should have been much stronger than it was in, in the spring game. Um I just, uh, I'm getting worried that he left the door open now for Devin Brown to make a push in the summer. And I think he can make a push in the summer because Devin Brown is, is very talented and uh, NFL arm in my opinion. And we'll just see how this all breaks down, but I just don't, he left the door open when he could have slammed it shut with this performance in this game. Yeah. Well put. I really actually wish we could have seen Devin, like watching Kyle McCord and maybe wish Devin Brown was out there. Like, man, I wonder, I wonder where they really two are. Like, I don't like what the yeah. actual competition is at. Uh, let's head on over to running back here. Uh, I'm picking some hang- low-hanging th- fruit here. Uh, Trevante <laughs> Simpson. I've been throwing water on it, I think, since January, mentioning that these guys in college just don't always bounce back from injury. I'm talking about, like, Kendall Milton. Um, they're all Georgia running backs. All the Georgia running backs have gotten hurt the last couple of years are just not really. <laughs> can't out the way, like, Zon- uh, Zamir White. Zamir White. Zamir White. Yeah. Yep. Marshawn Lloyd. Like, we're out here debating if he's good or not still. It's so – these guys just don't always bounce back. The news has been negative. I do think the early years of college are the most important for development, like those early years. Because if if he's not practicing at all until year, like let's, let's say year three, that, that's an exaggeration though. But year three, then he's coming in on par with the other like freshmen they're bringing in. It's not like he, and he, he was right also now. a raw guy coming in too. Like this was a guy who like split his time between linebacker and running, but he needs a little more refinement position. He's not getting it through the first two years. Yes, and then my other one, it's a duo here, and it really ties into Corey's Jaden Ott stock up. Byron Carwell, Justin Williams-Thomas. Justin Williams-Thomas has been no news about, so that's it. Done. So yeah, you're already on like a – he was barely on the radar beforehand. And then Byron Carwell's news has been up and down, uh, but mostly down lately. So not that he can't be like a split backfield, but for a guy that's been disappointing two years in a row uh, compared to expectation – I expect him to have some better buzz about him. So I think these guys just get lost in the depth chart. They might get some run here and there, but as far as like becoming real Debbie assets, I think that's it. They're done. So those are my running back fallers. Yeah. I think we have to see Ott kind of struggle again. And then maybe Byron Cardo could push for a little more, or we need like an injury or something to get one of these guys to play. Cause at this point, like yeah. heading to third year for Byron Cardwell now, like what are we going to see from him? It might be fourth year before we even see him do anything. And then who knows who they bring in after that. So yeah, very on the fringe of the radar now as a guy, we just liked off of a, like a three game sample size. So it's, it's hard to keep putting that kind of faith in him. Um, my running back faller, I'm just going to talk about one guy here, Oklahoma running back Javante Barnes. This one might be a little bit of a cop out due to the injury he suffered, but even looking back at some of his tape last year, I thought he was just okay. He's kind of a do it all guy who, who maybe doesn't excel in, in one area. I like that. He has that, that skill set to him, but now he's got this injury, um, and he's got the guy who flashed in last year's uh, last game of the season, Gavin Sawchuk, who's going to be bringing down his neck now. Um, and the injury is a little bit of a concerning one. Dead bone in his foot. I mean, that sounds like something he might deal with 
for some time now. So that part concerns me as well. Um, so either way, I'm just feeling a lot less optimistic than I was about Javante headed into the year, especially with now some of this injury news coming out. I'm going to start off with wide receiver. I almost threw it to you. I'm going to start off with wide receiver here because I'm taking a little fruit again. I'm going to start off with Adam Randall. Adam Randall, similar to Javante Citizen, very similar narratives there. Injury. He's got a second surgery for his knee. And I was already like fading Bo Collins because I was thinking Tony Williams already passed him on a depth chart and probably Adam Randall too here pretty soon. This almost opens the door for Bo Collins to make his comeback. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> while Adam Randall is dealing with getting on the field he's also gaining weight i don't think it's good weight i don't have any evidence of this but i'm assuming he's not hitting the gym as hard. I, well he's not working out of the gym is different than getting that muscle and converting it to being an athlete too so if he's just building raw muscle but not training it to be athletic that's going to be an issue for his movement ability as well so that's that's going to be a problem so anyway i'm a little bit down on adam randall for that one the weight game and two the injury and then number three uh lorenzo styles has been reported as playing some defensive <laughs> snaps that's a huge concern um i asked nate marquise to please spin that into a positive story and nate told me that lorenzo styles is so athletic that he's going to play both sides of the ball but if we if we pop that <laughs> bubble, very optimistic <laughs> if we pop that bubble and come back down to earth uh i don't know if it's a mental i, I think it's a mental thing i just think he's he's lost it along the way and i don't want to speculate how it could be a personal problem that he needs to step away and focus on or something like that but I, I think he's lost i think he's lost his way on developing into an nfl wide receiver so lorenzo styles is a major dropper for me i mean sell him for anything that you possibly can yeah i mean you already know where i stand on lorenzo i dropped him a long time ago i was never like as in, i was in at one point because I, I saw some excitement there i saw that flash in the bowl game the year before but shortly into the season i kind of cut the cord which is kind of funny because you're usually got to cut the short quick the, the cord quickly and i just cut the cord yeah, so you, quickly on style you were <laughs> yeah you were one of the original original doubters so yeah so i just cut it so quickly there but yeah i mean yeah reports of him dropping balls in camp again so i mean yeah uh, arrow way down on that one i'm going to talk about like i was going to talk about jojo earl but you covered that very clearly in the tcu practice he just hasn't been progressing like we had hoped over there so jojo earl is a follower for me but the other guy a freshman wide receiver over at florida state by the name of Heike williams you know one of the most athletic enticing prospects in the class he just had like a really slow start to camp real lack of buzz coming out um reports also came out they showed up overweight which is also a very concerning thing and was getting outclassed by his fellow freshman there and and a, and a sleeper favorite of c2c's in vandrevious jacobs there who is who's been flashing more than him um he did uh Hiking Williams did finally have some good reports coming out just a little bit more recently. But I mean, we have to remember this was a guy who relied on his athletic gifts in high school. Those guys always come with some risk. I mean, like, do they work hard to master their craft at the next level now? Um, what happens when the athleticism doesn't win those one on one matchups that you were constantly winning in high school? What happens when everybody is athletic as you? Can you can you find your technique now to beat these guys? It's a test for a lot of these guys. And we see some of them break through. And then we see some guys like Julian Fleming. We see some guys like DeMond DeMoss who completely fade and never really break out of that super athletic mold. So I've lowered him a little bit. I had him high based on that, like upside. He was somewhere in like my wide receiver seven, six range. Um, so I'm still intrigued, but he's dropped a little bit for me. Like he's back more towards the, the 10 range now. So I'm a, I'm a little bit worried. I'm seeing some of those signs that some of, some of the recruiting team was starting to point out a little bit earlier in the process. Yeah, these older recruits, man, they don't transition well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, all right, guys, that's that wraps up our show for tonight. Thank you for joining us. Uh, please rate, review the show if you like the show. If you didn't like the show, just just wait till next week. All right. And please, the Debbie Guide is coming out March first. Me and Corey have been slaving away. Mm-hmm. They're they're not giving us any breaks. We are we are almost done with the Debbie Guide. We're doing our ranking summits, all that type of stuff. It's getting heated. I, I get heated. <laughs> and if, if you're an NIL member, like check out the collective because the episodes are coming out from these debates behind the scenes. Uh, a little unfiltered, a little bit of Matt in the chat with COVID. Anyway, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you guys again from Corey and from Mike. Good night and good luck.